Welcome to the Human Experience Podcast, the only podcast designed to fuse your left and right brain hemispheres and feed it the most entertaining and mentally engaging topics on the planet. As we approach our ascent, please make sure your frontal, temporal and occipital lobes are in their full upright position. As you take your seat of consciousness, relax your senses and allow us to take you on a journey. We are the Intimate Strangers. Thank you for listening. What's up, guys? Xavier Katana here with The Human Experience. And wow, what a fascinating episode that we recorded live at the Bulletproof Conference with Mr. Bo Eason. It's such an amazing individual with such a unique story. He uh, just had such a great stage presence and we were able to capture that energy in in the conversation because he had just gotten finished doing his speech at the conference and so we got him live for you guys truly fun we talk about leadership storytelling you will love this episode guys we survive on your support if you enjoy what we're doing thehumanxp.com slash donate help us keep going also find us on youtube facebook twitter all at the human xp Thank you guys so much for listening. You will enjoy this one. Bo Eason, thank you so much for being here, sir. Yeah, you're welcome. It's great what to a, be here. What a pow. We are at the Bulletproof Conference live, and I'm sitting next to Mr. Bo Eason. Bo, what, a, what an incredible, touching speech, delivery, performance. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how to really call it. I mean, it was just so profound and reaching and please uh for for the people listening i mean i was so touched personally by your story and it really really made me think about myself and you know the things that i've experienced and you know for for the people that might not know who you are yeah if you could just you know just give us a short little introduction please yeah well uh thanks for having me xavier it's great to be here and um and and i'm all warmed up because i was just on stage so we're doing this right after uh, i left the stage so um you know i was a former nfl player you know that was my dream and and i ended up fulfilling on that dream i got to play in the nfl for five years and then from there i went to, i wanted to be the best playwright i wanted to be the best stage performer and and so I did and I started training at that and it was no different than playing football the training was pretty much the same and I spent many many years doing it got to go to Broadway got to do a one-man show and and then that led to speaking yeah and that's where we are today I mean I do a lot of speaking and a lot of training uh, and help people um, uh, do what I do, what I was what I was trained to do which is to be able to tell my own story right and that's what I do now. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's really incredible because you had such such drive and ambition. You had a pretty tough upbringing. The the process in which you became as excellent as you are now was. I mean, it kind of crafted through how hard it was for you in the beginning. Would you Would you say that? Would you agree? For sure. It's. It's. You know what? When when like I was, I was raised in a way and taught to be the best at what I do. No, no matter what the occupation is. So with that comes a lot of pain because if you're aiming to be the best, like if, if you and I were aiming to be the gold medalist this year, 
Hmm. Not just a medalist. We wanted to be the gold medalist. We got to go through a lot more pain than the silver medalist or the bronze medalist mm -hmm. because it's just harder yeah. to win it all, to be the best. And so you, the minute you have a dream like that, you have just invited in a lot of obstacles that are going to come to you, which is great because yeah. obstacles give you uh, a great story to tell. And that's the only... The people, the people that you follow, the people that you love, mm -hmm. have had a lot of obstacles, and they've had a lot of big mountain to climb, and that's you and I are no different. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, that's it's beautiful. You know, you really, you really present it in such a in a conceptual way that I, you know, people can relate to. You know, in, in the speech that you just gave, there are these three main core kind of tenets of your your being, your philosophy, and. I would love for you to give our, our audience a, a taste of, of that. Yeah, well, the, you know, the first thing that the audience needs to know is that they have a story. Most people, me included, we just don't think we have a good story we, because we lived this life, so it seems mundane to us, but it's not to other people. So everyone on who's listening has to know, they have to surrender to the fact that they have a a, a great defining moment story that defined them for the rest of their days. And it usually happens in between the ages of nine and 12, whether you get cut from little league or you get dumped at the prom. Mm. Those are the years where you, your, your life is defined based on what happened. And it's usually painful yeah. for the most part. So uh, the first critical step is the more personal your story is, you know, and I want people sharing their story because this is the only way people know how to follow you. Mm -hmm. And the only way that you can lead is by telling your story. So you got to surrender to the fact that your story has got to be personal. If it's not personal, no one will care. It's got to be personal to you. Second thing is it's got to be physical. We live in a world that has lost its physicality because we've been in the technology age for two generations. But my theory is, and I think I'm right about this, is the leaders who are going to emerge are going to be the ones who are in, more, uh, in the closest touch with their own nature, mm -hmm. with mother nature. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you think of human beings, we're predators, you know? I know we don't like to be, think of ourselves as predators, but we are. And predators are actually great. And predators are actually noble and trustworthy, but also they're lethal. They can do some damage. So um, as long as your predatory instincts are doing the right thing, I want you to use that in your storytelling. So number one, I want it to be personal. Number two, it's got to be physical. You've got to re-remember what it's like to be physical in your life. Moving like a predator, hunting, that kind of movement. If you think of the occupations that you cannot look away from, whether that's elite athletes or watching the Olympics, maybe it's uh, watching Mikhail Baryshnikov do, do the ballet. Right. Maybe it's a, a, a mil elite military man charging a beachhead. Right. Those kind of occupations you can't look away from because they don't apologize for their predatory instincts. Well, I don't want anyone listening to us today. I don't want anyone apologizing for their predatory instincts either. Definitely. Yeah. The number two would be you know. Yeah, physicality of your story. Number three would be the generosity of your story. You and me are in control of how much we're willing to give of ourselves. Usually, we don't. We give our our effort out in teaspoons. I don't want that. I want the floodgates to open. And I told a story on stage about a guy named Jerry Rice, who's yeah. the greatest football player ever to play. Yeah. And he and I were teammates, and he taught me so much about 
how much spirit he was willing to give of himself on a football field. But it changed the way I'm married. It changed the way I parent. It changed the way I speak on stage. It changed everything about my life because of what I saw he was willing to give of himself. So those are the three critical steps that I would have everybody uh, impart on their storytelling. Number one, it's got to be personal. Number two, it's got to be physical. And number three, it's got to be generous. You got to give all of yourself. Wow. I, I, I love I love the three tenets of, of your philosophy. And, you know, it was it was so interesting to see you on stage and com- you were you had this command of the stage like a military general. When you stop talking, there wasn't a whisper. I mean, you could it was like a pin dropped, you know, like you had full control of, of this presence on stage. But you started your career with this dream of being really the best at football. Yeah. And then you suffered a knee injury and you moved into playwriting mm-hmm. and um, performing. What was, I mean, what was the parallels? Like, what, what are some of the parallels with that, even though they're completely contrasting opposite I, things? I know. I remember doing an interview with the New York Times when the play was opening in New York. And the, the guy wrote down in a sentence, uh, in a ex-NFL player turned Broadway playwright. And then he stopped the interview and goes, I've never written that sentence before. And I said, yeah, it's true. It's funny. They seem like they're 180 degrees apart, those two disciplines. Uh-huh. But the principles to being the best remain the same, which is you've got to have a dream. You've got to have a plan. you got to execute that plan. Right. And you just got to be unrelenting and in, in going for it. So I use the same work ethic that I had to be the best safety in the NFL, to be the best playwright in the world. Just I just applied the same kind of work. I trained. Uh, Al Pacino became a mentor of mine in that world, and he wow. told me what to do. He was the best stage performer of his time. He told me exactly what to do. So I just did what he told me to do. Because if the best tells you what to do, then guess what? You get to be the best too. All you got to do is follow the map. The problem is no one follows the map. Everyone goes, well, I don't want to do all that work. Yeah. Well, I know, but why What? Why not do all that work? What are you going to be doing instead of all that work? Right. Right? right. Yeah. That's always been my philosophy. So even though stage performance, um, football performance seem like they're polar opposites, the principles of being the best in those two disciplines are exactly the same. Yeah. 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 It's, I mean, it's, it's so coherent and it makes so much sense. I mean, it really, it fits into the larger paradigm of just who, who are we? And I mean, what are, what is our role here? Yeah. And what are we supposed to be doing? Or are we supposed to be taking command of our lives? And why haven't we been taught this? Why haven't we been given this in school? Why isn't this taught? And it makes what you do all that more worthwhile is that you're giving people this message of self-empowerment, how to really take back their lives Mm -hmm. in in a powerful way. What was something that in all this time between the the NFL and you know your, your play work, what was something that, that challenged you the most? Mm. Well, there's, you know, when you're attempting to be, you know, the best safety in the NFL, you get a lot of challenges because there's a lot of other guys wanting to be that too. And there's a lot of guys trying to beat you. So there's huge challenges in that. And then, you know, along the way uh, on that journey, I had seven knee surgeries. You know what I mean? So now 
you know, I've got to be able to use these legs if I'm to be the best safety. And now I can't use them because they're injured. So you face those challenges all the time. And that's, those challenges are actually the best thing that can happen to you. They can because that's where your story, that's where people, they gravitate to people who have to face those, those challenges. They just do. That's why you and I love people who attempted to scale Mount Everest. We just were attracted to them. We just are because we know that I, I don't think I can do that. That seemed impossible, yet they attempted it or they did it. We love and we're attracted to people who have faced all the obstacles. Our world, like our educational system, our media in the United States especially, um, really teaches us to those obstacles are bad. This, this life should be easy. No, it shouldn't. I think that's a complete lie. I think those obstacles give you story, give you power, and that gives the impetus for people to follow you. And then you've got to lead them. Hmm. Please go on. I mean, how, how does one become an effective leader? Yeah. Well, here's the thing. You know, I think everybody would agree that leadership is really um, a lost art in our world. It's, you don't see much of it. Or what we're told is leadership, we think is somebody standing at a podium pointing their finger at us, and, you know, ranting at us. That's not leadership. Mm-hmm. Most um, leaders, so-called leaders, want power. But true leaders, the, I mean the true pure leaders, they don't want power. They already have power. They're called out a necessity. They see a problem and they know how to fix it. And so they end up leading and they're reluctant to lead. That's why the best leaders are always reluctant to do so. Mm-hmm. People that run for certain offices and stuff like that, they want power. They have no idea how to lead because mm-hmm. no one's attracted to anyone who wants power. They're only attracted to people who are ta- taking the call of necessity and taking it on. Now, they've done a study on leadership. And the study dated back to Julius Caesar. It starts with Julius Caesar, and it goes all the way up through 2012. Mm -hmm. The number one um, ability that all of those leaders had to have, every leader from from Julius Caesar to Lady Gaga to Osama bin Laden Mm. to our last presidential election, so every leader in between, this is who they studied. Every one of those leaders had to have one ability, and that ability was they had to have the ability to tell their own story. Wow. Because unless they did, someone else would tell their story for them. And their constituencies or their audiences would not know how to follow them unless they laid out that connective tissue, which is your personal story. So imagine that in your own life. People are waiting for you to lead. They're waiting to follow you. They just don't know how until you share who you are so that they now have the connective tissue to go Mm. ahead and follow you. Oh, wow. That's, that's so profound. Um, I love that. It's, it's almost as if there's a sort of neural network that connects all of us. And it's like the synapse of leadership is, is, you know, a relationship between yourself as well as the people you're leading. Yep. Uh, there was a quote that I heard something about, um, real leaders create other leaders, Yeah. more leaders. Yeah, it's good. I want to, you know, we've we've covered, you know, your philosophy that you live by and, and your, your life. And what do you what do you think about effective storytelling? 
mean, how how does a person tell uh, other than other than just being you know the personal aspect of it? Yeah. How do you how do you structure a story to impact and reach people? Yeah. S- start. Here's a there's a great. Uh, learning thing as far as telling your as far as great storytelling goes start at your lowest moment most people want to start at their highest moment they want to introduce themselves with their story by saying hey i'm the best safety in the world well you can't do that because no one cares they care about where you started so i if you notice when i spoke on stage today i started with when i was nine years old i had a dream yeah so now everyone in the audience is going like this "Uh uh-oh this nine-year-old's got a dream. Trouble is on its way. There's going to be some fire-breathing dragon going to try to take this kid's <laughs> dream. Yeah. And that's just how it, that's great storytelling. Because now they're with you. If you and me, think about movies that you love. If you and me were about to make a movie today about climbing Mount Everest, think about what the first frame of film would be that we wanted the audience to see what would it be would it be us standing on top of mount everest with flags planted and us waving it wouldn't it would be us standing at the bottom of mount everest looking up at an impossible task and looking at each other and going there's no way in hell we can do this that's great storytelling start at the bottom so the audience can help you build all the way to the top yeah wow that's that's amazing. Runt went on to do pretty well. You were in, you were in New York. You were in in Houston. You got some rave reviews by that. I mean, mm-hmm. it, what was the idea of Runt? You were performing as an NFL player on stage. Yeah, or? no, I was. I mean, I was an actor. You know, I was no longer an NFL player. So many years had passed. I trained for those fifteen years, and I got good. So I wrote the play, and it's a per- very personal story to me. And the more personal your story is, the more effect you have. So the story really started affecting audiences until it just kept going on. I've performed that thing like 1,300 times. Wow. And it it got bought as a movie, and it's going to be made into a movie, and it goes on and on and on because the story is personal. That's what people respond to. They don't care about stories that are general. They just don't care about them. If your movie is general that you go into, you'll walk out of it. If it's specific to the storyteller, you'll stay and you'll love it. So that's what Runt was all about. And that's what really gave way to this whole speaking and training career that I have now. You know, something else that you mentioned was how nature is undefeated. Yeah. I I love that. Yeah. I mean, that's such a beautiful quote. There was there's an analogy used about how we are we are kind of number one already because we are conceived yeah and just the the sheer odds of conception are so so massively large yeah. that nature has put us in line to be number one already yeah can you can you please expand on that well yeah i just you know you have to remember you know our media and our world pretty much teaches us that mediocrity is as high as we should hope to get and I, I don't think they're talking to us because, look, if you think of the day that you were conceived, there were 300 million sperm delivered on that day. 300 million, and you were one of them. And the odds of you being born was 300 million to one. Think of those odds. If I, if I told you, hey, Xavier, uh, how would you like to train for the gold medal in, the, in swimming in the Olympics? You're going to have to beat Michael Phelps to win the gold. You're, let's train for the next 20 years. The odds of you winning, Xavier, are 300 million to one. You're probably going to say, you know what, Bo? 
that don't, those odds don't sound too good to me. <laughs> but I would say to you, you're wrong because you've already done it. You've already you, done that. Yeah. You've already won that race. Yeah. Why wouldn't you take those odds? Yeah. You're already number one. So remember who you are, not who the media talks to you like you are. That's not who you are. Mm -hmm. You are, you are a one-time phenomenon. Remember it, and that's why your story is so unique. That's why you're already number one. You just have to fulfill on your destiny of being number one. Just to just to play devil's advocate, yeah. just for a second, how can we all be number one? How can everyone on the planet be number one? Right, I know. Imagine that. Just imagine for a second if that's the case. Imagine that's all your quest. And it's not even that we have to achieve number one, but it has to be our aspiration. That has to be our quest. Right. Imagine a world where everyone's quest was to be the best in the world at what they do. So say you and me are in a restaurant right now, Xavier, and we're, we just ordered our food. And the waitress, what if the waitress that's waiting on us, or the waiter, um, what if their only job was to be the best waitress in the world? What if that was her quest? <laughs> yeah. How cool would that meal be for you and me? <laughs> yeah, it would be the best meal we've ever had. Right? And what <laughs> if the chef or the cook who's ever preparing that meal, what if his quest was to be the best chef in the world? Yeah. How would that meal be different? That is, that is all I'm interested in is the effort, is the aspiration to be the best. I want to live in a world where people, that's how they treat their lives because that's who we truly are. Yeah. I, I love it, man. I, I just say, and you know, you, you talk about humans being predators and how we, we are naturally kind of conditioned to be in the state. Yep. I mean, you, you made the analogy of motherhood and you talked about how if there was a lion in the room that no one would take their eyes off yeah. the lion. And then you, then you related back to human beings yeah. and how people should be watching you. Yeah. And if you're not creating this sort of presence, I mean, am I interpreting this correctly? Yeah. Where, where if you're, if people aren't watching you, then you're not, you're doing it wrong. Yeah, that's right. You're. Most people walking around in this day and age are apologizing for who they are. Now, they're not going around going, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Their body is saying it. So you and I could not be here if we weren't survivalist, if we didn't know how to be a predator. Because our ancestors would have died a long time ago. They would have got eaten. They would have got killed by the, 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 next, the neighboring tribe. They would have been eaten by predator cats. Mm -hmm. But we're not. We're here. That means we're predators ourselves, which means we're very dangerous, which means we know how to take care of business. But we think we're safe. We think like we're walking around like casual, like it's a walk in the park. Actuality, we move like predators. And we do, you got to think of the times when you do move like this. When you play in the NFL, you've got to move like this because you'll get killed out there. If you're in the military and you're charging a beachhead, you've got to move like that or you'll be dead. If you're a firefighter and you're charging into a building that's burning down, right. you move like a predator because you have to, otherwise you're going to die. Yeah. When you're a mother and you're, someone's going to hurt your child, you turn into a bear, a grizzly bear, and you rip the person's heart out who's trying to hurt your child. That's a predator. That's who we naturally are. We just got to re-remember who we are and start to bring that to our everyday life. Yeah. And if you do that, if you start to access that part of yourself, 
people won't have the ability to look away from you because no one can look away from a predator. It's just how it works. Mm -hmm. We're not, it's in our DNA. Mm -hmm. We see a predator, we have to pay attention to it because it's life or death. Wow. Yeah. Since we're on this track, uh, your last, you know, your last one, which is generosity yeah. and being generous with yourself and all the time. Yeah. It's such a, it's such a beautiful message. What is it? I mean, what does it mean to be generous? Uh, this is how, what I mean by it. Hmm. I'm talking about the ability to give all of yourself all of the time. Now that's difficult, but if you think about it, it's how we're wired. We, we, we know, just like I talked about the predator piece, we know how to give of ourselves. We just don't. We turn down the dial so we don't get hurt. We don't get our heart broken. I want your heart broken. So mm. I want you giving all of yourself. And I talked about on stage, I talked about a teammate of mine, Jerry Rice, who's the greatest football player ever to play the game. And the reason he is, is because he gave all of himself every single time he touched the ball. Yeah. Every time. Not half the time. Not Every 10th time he caught the ball, every time he touched the ball, he trained his body to go full speed and get it in the end zone. Well, there's no accident that he's got more touchdowns than anyone else in the history of the game because he trained himself to give of himself. I just want everyone who's listening to this to start to train yourself and start to watch yourself. How much are you willing to give in your job, in your marriage, in your parenting, Mm -hmm. in your business? How much are you willing to give of yourself and you're going to put yourself at risk because, you know, it's a very risky pop proposition. Yeah. Because a lot of times there's a lot of rejection. There's a lot of heartache, you know. But what are we here to do? Protect our heart? I don't think so. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Bo, you, you strike me as a very hardworking individual and your story touched everyone in that room. I mean, there wasn't a single person that wasn't like, wow, this is, this is amazing. You know, I... Just to kind of wrap up here, because I know your time is short, but if there was, if there was one thing that you could kind of go back and rewind in time, twenty years, to your younger self, would there be a message that you could kind of deliver? Yeah, I look. My dad woke me up, and I have four older sisters. He woke them up, and I have an older brother, so I'm the youngest of six. He woke us up every single morning by rubbing our backs. And he would whisper in our ears that we were the best. And he would say, keep moving, partner. You're the best. And then he'd drop a few expletives right there. Because <laughs> that's just how he talked. But that's how he woke us up. Yeah. So for all those years, all I heard was, you're the best. You're the best. Get up there. Keep moving, partner. You're the best. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Yeah. And if, if people would just remember that, that that's actually what they're here to do is to fulfill on that. And you have to also stay true, you know, to your dream. Mm-hmm. I do this, you know, just like my dad, I do that to my kids. I have three little kids and I do the same thing to them every morning. Mm-hmm. I wake them up, I tell them that they're the best and I tell them it's their job to find out what their dream is and I'll help them achieve it. And so will the rest of the world mm-hmm. and stay true to it. And so I had that growing up. I was lucky. And what I'd love to give to this world and what I tell all my clients and all the people that I work with and my kids is you're the best. And I'm constantly reminding them that they're the best and they're supposed to fulfill on this destiny. And that's their job. And if they're not going to do that, then shame on them. 
Wow, man. I, I love it. I truly love it. I, I wish we had more time, Bo, but we don't. Where can people find your work, your website, BoEason.com? Yeah, my, it is. It's BoEason.com. So it's B-O. Uh, my last name's Eason, E-A-S-O-N.com. And all my trainings are on there. I do a three-day event every year, uh, twice a year. Mm-hmm. And I bring people in from all over the world and train them on how to tell their story, how to physicalize their story. Mm-hmm. And it's a really amazing event. And uh, if people are interested in that, it's something they should really, really want to come to. And then, you know, if people have ever had that inkling, you know, like that, that little whisper in your ear that, man, yeah, that, that, that I, I, I was put on that. 300 million to one odds and I'm the one? Mm. They want to fulfill on that. I, I would go to Boeson.com and I would start to get involved with what I do because all you need when you have dreams of being the best, you got to re- be reminded of who you are because yeah. you forget. Yeah. You know, with all the things coming at us and all the distractions, you forget who you are. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd love to have you. Thank you so much for making the time to do this. This is incredible. This is the human experience. My name is Xavier Katana. My guest, Mr. Bo Eason. Bo, it was truly a pleasure, sir. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to Yeah, to you're welcome, with Xavier. It was, it was a blast. Thank you. You guys, we will see you guys next week. Thank you guys so much for listening.